Welcome to the Fiber for Breakfast podcast, a series that discusses fiber as the critical infrastructure for today's growing broadband needs. Listen in as Gary Bolton, CEO and President of the Fiber Broadband Association, speaks with industry thought leaders and experts about connectivity issues and the impact on the remote workplace. I hope you enjoy today's discussion, which will start momentarily. And remember to subscribe and like this podcast on your favorite platform. Good morning, everyone. And welcome to the Fiber Broadband Association's Fiber for Breakfast. We are now on our 46th episode of 2021. On Friday, the Department of Commerce held a briefing on the Bipartisan Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act and broadband investment. The broadband part of this briefing was led by Doug Kinkoff, the Associate Administrator of the Office of Telecommunications and Information Applications at NTIA. Doug outlined the $46 billion that he and NTI will be responsible for administering. This includes the $42.5 billion for Broadband Equity Access Deployment Program, also known as BEAD, $2 billion for the Tribal Broadband Connectivity Program, and the $1 billion for enabling Middle Mile Broadband Infrastructure Program. Doug will be presenting at the Fiber Broadband Association's premier member meeting on Capitol Hill on Tuesday, December 7th. If you haven't registered yet, please do so ASAP as we're nearing our capacity. Also last week, acting FCC Chairwoman Jessica Rosenworcel had her Senate confirmation hearing. The hearing went extremely well and we anticipate that she'll be confirmed by the end of the year. Speaking of things coming together this morning, uh, the fiber fiber broadband uh, fiber for breakfast session is focused on convergence. I'm laughing a little bit because things haven't really come together this morning, but hopefully they <laughs> will. <laughs> uh, specifically, wireless wireline convergence as one network is finally here. And again, good morning and happy Thanksgiving. I'm Gary Bolton, the president and CEO of the Fiber Broadband Association. Now, last week we met with Reed Fischler of Hurricane Electric, the best connected provider in the world discuss why the middle mile matters. Today, we're meeting with my old friend and former colleague, Dave Allen of Ericsson, discuss one network is finally here. Dave is a distinguished engineer at Ericsson and a former distinguished member of the technical staff at Bell Northern Research. He has been active in data communication standards for 25 years with a diverse technical background extending back over 40 years. In his current role at Ericsson, he is focused on 5G, mobility architecture in general, and particular, WWC, which I assume means wireless wireline convergence, and the evolution of fixed access. So for our audience, please type your questions as we go for a Q&A at the, continu- at the uh, conclusion of the presentation. With that, over to you, Dave. Great, thanks, Gary. So what I want to talk about today is wireless wireline convergence. And what that basically is, is combining the service delivery aspects of both the mobile network and the fixed network to get to kind of a single ubiquitous service platform. Um, And essentially one core network. Um, And if we can just kick into the next chart quickly. Uh, The key question, I guess, is why now? We've had the ability to converge the networks for a long time. In fact, we did a kick of the can uh, at it back in about 2012 uh, when 4G was just kicking off. 
Uh, it was not a particularly successful effort, uh, and it certainly did not go far enough. So, like I said, the question is, is why now? And probably the key thing is, is this started back in 2016 uh, when the operators approached 3GPP and the Broadband Forum to work on this. And what they wanted to do was to leverage the fact that the 5G system was going to be architected to support pretty much any access. And the operators decided, yeah, it, it was time. Uh, they wanted this because basically everything but the network core had converged. You know, we've been packet networks for a long time. Um, we're, operators are now pretty much converting voice over to voice over LTE as far as the mobile core is concerned. So we're finally seeing packetization of voice everywhere. Um, the customer appliances themselves, uh, you know, last time we tried this, we were looking at flip phones. We weren't looking at smartphones, but now it's increasingly smart devices. Uh, and basically, the services you're getting are increasingly independent of the access type. Uh, and if, in effect, it's just a function of the software load that's serving you in the network by the time we get into virtualization, uh, cloud technologies, and the thing is, if the, if the service you're getting is simply a function of the software on some hosting platform on the network, why not just tweak that software such that ultimately you're getting to one common core system? Uh, and what that means is common subscriber management, common policy, common charging, common legal intercept, you name it. Uh, and that's actually kind of huge. At the same time, the operators themselves are transforming their networks to increasingly take advantage of all these technologies. So if they're transforming their networks anyway, there is this clear opportunity there to change the networks. Uh, and the 5G system itself has been architected to leverage all of this. So in essence, in deploying 5G, you're close to getting, toward, we're moving increasingly towards a standardized and turnkey solution for network transformation. So you got this sort of grand alignment of the planets that, that this is kind of for many operators, this is a once in a lifetime opportunity to actually get to a converged network and have the thing basically from the duck to the OSS be a common system. And that is huge. So then you got to ask yourself, well, if we're going to have a converged end game and all of these things are possible, why is 5G the one you really want? Um, probably the big thing was is that it was architected for access independent in the first place. And what we found was is at least on the 3GPP side, it was minimal changes to the 5G core to be able to support fixed wireless access, coax, DSL, PON, Mocha, you name it. Um, the variations were confined to like little tweaks and in information elements, basically in a common procedure set. In the 5G system, we've got a rich feature set, and now it can be universally applied. We have a common control plane and authentication extended to the premises, and then we have all the back end of the mobile network that is basically existed since day one. So you've got the policy, the charging, What's sort of cool and is interesting to operators is the ability to do access sharing where you can get into multi-party arrangements 
for how a service is actually paid for. So for example, from my work at home, I can get a better quality of service than for my internet browsing, but my employer is paying for the enhanced part that I use for my work activities, but not necessarily subsidizing my, uh, my home surfing activities. Uh, we have the ability to do real-time fulfillment because we have this common control plane. We get to a common quality of service model across all accesses, which means not only can we guarantee service delivery across all the accesses, we also have all the mechanisms in place to monetize this. And that, that in itself is pretty big. Um, personalization. Uh, network exposures, uh, which is actually quite big for things like SASE and uh, Zero Trust Network Access because we can um, expose the provenance of how I am getting to the network and then the uh, security systems can decide whether they want to do multi-factor authentication. And of course, we've heard a lot about network slicing, which is sort of the mobile VPN on steroids. But what happens is, is when you pull all of this together and you have all of the different access types converging on a common core, common capabilities, common onboarding, common customer service management, that ultimately the network becomes a fully integrated digital platform. Uh, and what that means is, is that the nature of how the operator runs their business and the capabilities of their business starts to change because then they can start focus on, focusing on the monetization uh, because it's, it just works regardless of how you're getting at it and gives you the same service regardless of how you're getting at it. Now we had a few challenges getting uh, this all together. One of the, th I've been working in broadband Gee, back since Gary and I first met, that had to be, oh, 27, 28 years ago, uh, which is probably more than we want to admit. Um, but over time, we've evolved to the point where there is no one wireline architecture. And this is a bit different than the mobile architecture because the wireline architecture can have different pockets of different technologies. It's never tried to offer a ubiquitous service that appeared the same absolutely everywhere on the planet, which is what the mobile network has done. So we've got multiple protocol suites. We have different architectures, uh, whether the, the gateways are close to the customer, back from the customer, whether we're using fiber and pawn aggregation. We have a whole lot of different regulatory environments and wholesale situations. Many operators have built their networks up by pretty much a complete patchwork of arrangements with various fiber providers. I did some digging actually and was completely amazed to find in the United States alone, I think I found a th there's a thousand different fiber and DSL providers that are out there offering wholesale or dark fiber or whatever. And we have a whole lot of different technologies uh, and the transports associated with them. There's still ATM out there amazingly enough. Now what that is, so what we've had is, is this huge sort of divergence in the wireline network. And now we're in the process of trying to pull that back to sort of a single commodity architecture. Uh, and that is, and, and provide that transformation path for the operators. And that's driven an awful lot of decisions. Um, certainly the access gateway function, which is the key 
piece the broadband forum has been working on is designed to be an agents of convergence basically you know it doesn't matter what wireline you got you could shovel coal into this thing and you'd get 5g out um, and it will also support native 5g so the key thing is is this thing can manage the transformation we have decoupled all parts of the transformation so there's no flag days. It can happen incrementally. Uh, and this was a key thing for the operators. At the end of the day, we paid probably a whole lot more attention from the journey from today to 5G than the actual 5G endgame because 3GPP had already done that. That part was relatively easy. But the key thing here is, is that the work we've done on the standardization is just hugely grounded in the reality of the operator business because they really wanted to make this happen. So the high-level architecture we're working with, basically you had the existing mobile network and what we've done in the work in the broadband forum is we've defined some mediation platforms. The AGF basically integrates with the wireline access network at layer two deals with the existing devices that are out there, the PPPoE, IPoE, as well as the new class of device, the 5G-enabled residential gateway, which has that control plane and can talk natively to the 5G network and expose the capabilities of the 5G network in the home. Um, there are some operators that are interested in another mediation platform, sort of an intercepted layer three, what we call the fixed mobile interworking function or FMIF. Uh, and it can actually connect off the back of BNGs. Um, the, our priority in standardization has been to focus on the AGF. We have published standards on that. The FMIF is uh, still sort of progressing as there are different technical issues to make that work. Um, basically, this integrates into the common converged core network with the common subscriber management uh, policy, et cetera. Um, and the key thing is, is that we designed this very carefully to minimize the impacts, like to honor the 5G architecture, to make this thing work with without importing warts and hacks, et cetera. Uh, and that uh, that was a lot of work. The key thing is, is we've succeeded at this, and now the uh, the toolbox is emerging to allow the operators to transform their networks. Now, seeing as I'm attending a thing that calls itself Fiber for Breakfast, I figure I'd better get some fiber content in here. Uh, so if I was to comment on what does this mean, well, for pure wireline, it's probably going to be the same old, same old. Uh, the AGF is effectively a BNG replacement, uh, so the growth in bandwidth and fiber deployment is going to continue pretty much the way it always has. Um, geez, I had trucks pulling fiber down the poles in front of me a couple of weeks ago. Uh, and the other aspect to this is, is there are probably too many wholesale or regulated access deployment scenarios for that to change in any big way. Now, what becomes interesting as part of this is fixed wireless access, uh, which many operators are looking into as a DSL replacement. Um, and what it is, is in its fully uh, fleshed out form, this isn't just folks connecting to the macro cell. We're actually looking at deploying millimeter wave access points 
uh, and they'll have a serving radius of perhaps 100 or 200 meters. Um, they will be fiber fed, uh, and they will sort of have similar build out characteristics to G.Fast in terms of maybe serving 20 to 40 customers. It's going to be that small a footprint. So basically, you're seeing fiber out to the, the pole in the backyard in the neighborhood. And the thing is, is this is already happening. The 5G RGs for, for fixed wireless access are already coming into the market. We see it as the first instantiation of wireless wireline deployment. And we see it kind of as the beachhead in terms of how this thing is ultimately going to snowball. Because that class of equipment is already out there. The implementations are already being commoditized. So if I was to wrap this thing up, uh, for many reasons, it's finally happening. Um, and the thing was, is it's the last thing to converge because everything else already did. Uh, and then 5G has made that easy by providing a comprehensive access system that can consume any access type and has all the tools to monetize it. Um, the first round of standardization is complete. We're in straw ballot for the second round of the documents where we've been adding new capabilities. We've been doing specification hardening. We've created new deployment scenarios and we're looking for new areas that we can leverage the 5G system for fixed to increase the monetization options. So the key thing here is, is that this journey is continuing. So that's my story. Dave, thanks so much. Um, I have a ton of questions, so let me start. Trace, can you roll it back to that architecture chart? You, right, yeah. All right, so first of all, um, I don't, you know, these are residential gateways, or I didn't know if that was a reference yeah. gateway, but why would you need 5G um, at a res residential gateway? If you are going to, wouldn't it be more efficient today? We just use um, Wi-Fi offload and, rather than burdening the wireless network with, you know, we can be able to leverage the capacity of the wireline network? Is that, where does that go? Um, well, certainly the 5G RG, that, well, I mean, it comes in various flavors where it can be fixed only. So it's PON or DSL, but what it does is it extends the 5G service model to the home, which is, <laughs> allows multiple access, uh, so I can do corporate VPN at the same time as uh, my kids are doing internet sharing. Uh, I can f have the kids steered through parental controls, et cetera. There is so also- do that over, I mean, that's what I do with my, I got um, my Wi-Fi pods all over my house with all my software controls and analytics and everything to the Wi-Fi system. So with that, right. you're saying that 5G would try to displace Wi-Fi, or would it be more like LTE, where you just, um, if you don't happen to have Wi-Fi, you would be able to leverage your 5G? Actually, actually the Wi-Fi simply becomes yet another on-ramp to the 5G system. So we're not looking, I mean, there are folks who want to do uh, 5G radio in the home, but from our point of view, we're looking at two classes of devices in the home, which would be devices that do 3GPP stuff and devices that don't. Uh, what the 5G RG does is it adapts those things onto talking to the 5G, the common core. 
but it isn't there it isn't necessarily that we're looking at 5g radio in the home supported by the 5g rg it's the 5g rg becomes the on-ramp to the okay. system so it's not the radio it's just basically being able to be in the converged network yes exactly okay so that's the way i should look at this is converged network not what radio you have where exactly and that's the same so go a couple slides trish to the um one go one more slide all right, so when you're talking about fixed wireless access, so that's why you would have five, because I was trying to think how this would ever make sense to put a 5G remote radio head at the end of fixed wireless access, that wouldn't work. But you're really not talking about doing a 5G radio at all. You're basically doing the, the convergence on a fixed wireless access network. Well, the fixed wireless access is a 5G radio in this case, because uh, it's going to be doing beam farming and all of those other various cool and esoteric things to drive the service. But it's going to be dealing with stationary residential gateways. Um, and it's going to be a mixed bag of devices that are inside the home, or some may have engineered deployments with external antennas. Um, but this is not all the devices in the home yeah. proceeding to attach as if they were attaching to the mobile network. No, that's the, what it is is the actual residential gateways themselves are simply being served by a 5G access type. So Dave, is this convergence that you're working on, is this really more of a big Ryzen, you know, giant operator? Convergence or you know, a lot of our members, a lot of people on the phone here are building out rural America. There are rural electric cooperatives or municipalities or um, rural incumbents. I mean, do they, should they care about this? Is this something that's gonna be important as a, um, you know, they don't necessarily aren't 5G providers. So is it important to be able to provide this access for wholesale or how does rural America play into this? Ah, okay. Now that's an interesting angle because one of the things I think is the 5G system largely being turnkey and coming with a lot of business-to-business -business interfaces um, because you actually can extend the control plane across multiple carriers for fulfillment, etc. Uh, I see this in the long term as actually a fairly interesting opportunity. Um, now there's going to be lots of wholesale opportunities as far as the various access types are concerned um, because we've preserved that ability to, to wholesale to the larger carriers. And you know the larger carriers are the ones that are primarily driving this, the, the Verizons, the, the Telstras, the Telecom Italias, the Deutsche Telecoms, et cetera. Uh, and, but in kind of in the longer term, it's I see 5G is becoming sort of the lingua franca of the of the operator business. Um, so it's a matter of where you're going to fit into that ecosystem. Uh, but it's a fairly large ecosystem, uh, so I see lots of opportunity there. So fiber, I mean, if I was to put words in your mouth, it's, it's fiber is absolutely critical to be able to build out the infrastructure. So there oh, shouldn't yes. be any confusion that we should get fiber to every home, every business, every um, person in America. Is there any reason that shouldn't be the case? 
Yeah, and even if you're only getting it to the pole outside and then using fixed wireless access, you're still looking at massive amounts of fiber. Um, and I could do a whole separate topic on on the actual radio architecture itself, because with things like eCIPRI, et cetera, and the various splits in the architecture and functional deployments, you're frequently looking at kind of massive bandwidth that, that some of the, the, the macro stations to make all of this stuff work. But that, that would be a whole separate topic for another day. 5G is not looking to replace the last mile. The fiber is the last mile, and 5G is the convergence to have a common core. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. And so, yeah, I, I think what operators are looking at when it comes to fixed wireless access, it's simply another access technique where it depends on the business case as to whether they go that way or they pull fiber. So, and then what do, you, what do you see the bandwidth increases we should expect on 5G over the next five years? Um, well, for example, we're already able to, to burst at a gig on LTE and 5G is going to provide, I think, comparable or better service than that, uh, given the radio optimizations and just the continual growth and bandwidth demand. So, um, you but know, this will as be complementary as... to um, Wi-Fi and all the things so basically, it's it's really about having the common common core, so the network network convergence, but getting fiber as close, if not to the home and to business, is the goal. And then being exactly. able to leverage um, the common core for all the services that we're going to. So it gives you that opportunity to be able to, as you, the benefit is that you can be able to provide all kinds of different services over your fiber, leveraging that 5G common core. Exactly, and the thing, you're, you're streamlining things across the board because you're getting to a common function set to run your network, common training, common onboarding, uh, all of that stuff that when you think about it becomes sort of intuitively obvious as to where there's opportunities to uh, completely streamline things. Well, so. unfortunately, we have a ton of questions here lined up and uh, we are out of time, so David, uh, we'll send you those questions um, later today and Hopefully you can um, circle back with some of our guests today. Um, I'm amazed that um, given we're you know hours away from Thanksgiving um, to have so many people on. So thank you for attending, Dave. Thanks so much for sharing your expertise, experience, and insights. Thanks and for having week, me. We have a great opportunity. Our topic is unlocking an historic opportunity, innovation for the next wave of growth with the guy who's running Corning. Mike Bell, the Senior Vice President, General Manager of Corning Optical Communications, as he discusses how strategic investments in capacity as well as fiber, cable, and connectivity innovation will be needed to meet the network demand. So great opportunity to talk to the head of Corning. Um, so we'll see you guys next Wednesday. And thanks again, Dave. I know you're up in uh, Canada, but um, I hope you enjoy your U.S. Thanksgiving. <laughs>